Ready? Hit it! Hello everyone and welcome to Twice Nightly The Podcast with Maria Lovelady and Michael Allen Bailey, a podcast that aims to bring everything variety out of the wings and into the limelight. So what are we waiting for? Let's raise the curtain and start the show. Hello, Michael. Here we are. Well, it's been a while, hasn't it? I haven't seen you for a whole 24 hours. (laughs) It's so (laughs) lovely to be seeing you again after what has been a very exciting and fabulous week. So why don't we start with, I mean, the best thing that we've probably done this week and potentially this year and potentially our lifetimes. What I don't think I don't think there's a potential about it. I think it's definitely the best thing <laughs> I've ever done. Monday night, we trotted down to the West End and we saw a Q&A with the one and only Joan Collins. Uh, Dame. Dame, Dame Joan, Joan Collins. Collins. And she was doing a, a book tour for her new book that she's got out, Unapologetic, and she was doing a Q&A with Graham Norton. Mm, who we love, one of who our other love. favorites. And it was at the Drury Lane Theatre Royal, which we have discussed in previous episodes, because of course that is where Dan Leno and Mary Lloyd were doing pantos a hundred years ago. And here we are a hundred years later. It's currently showing Frozen, which is probably, you know, if not the biggest show on the West End at the moment, certainly it's the newest be. biggest show. It's got to be the, the biggest. Moment. And we all sat there and watched a wonderful evening with Graham and Joan. And it was just as camp and fabulous as you would want it to be. And it was so relaxed, wasn't it? You genuinely just felt like you were sat in Joan Collins' living room listening to her speak. Except, (laughs) I mean, maybe this is how Joan lives in her living room. She came out in this like tight fit bodycon dress that was kind of see-through with just lines and rows of sequins all over it It was absolutely black black elbow length gloves Uh it it looked immaculate and then in the interval she changed didn't she to like classic dynasty white suit she was true Hollywood glamour wasn't she exactly we were saying it was like the last taste of true Hollywood glamour and it was awe-inspiring it was. I think some of the stories that she was telling, you just can't believe she's like, yeah, I was sat between Roger Moore and Frank Sinatra. And then she's talking about modern day people like, you know, that she's hang, hanging out with Tom Ford. And you just think this woman's career has just spanned so many decades. Yeah. She's just been surrounded by so many of the greats and she's a living great among us. And like, I think what was amazing, like what you just said, is that even though these stories were just real, true Hollywood glamour, we felt like we were included and we felt like we were just in her living room. There was no pretension about it at all. And it was really unfiltered. That's great because that's what the audience wants, isn't it? You don't want to go and see Joan Collins and for her to just be say, oh, everyone was lovely. I've had such a lovely life. You want to, you want mm-hmm. to dish the dirt. You want her to be Alexis Carrington. And we've got to do a little bit of name dropping as well while we're here. We had a gorgeous dinner at the Ivy, didn't we, before we went to see it? I had a Damien Hurst cheesecake. You yes, did. And that's I something did. you didn't know you were going to get when you woke up that morning. I don't know whether he actually designed the desserts or whether he was actually out back in the kitchen making them. I, <laughs> I, mean, I hope it was the latter. paintbrushes. Damien, we've had another order for cheesecake. And he's like, oh, good. Where will I find the inspiration <laughs> for this one? What's my muse? Just looks at a sous chef to his right. You're my muse. A moldy carrot. You're my muse. <laughs> so that was gorgeous, our lovely dinner. And then we met and we had a lovely chat in the theatre with the legend that is 
Christopher Biggins. The one and only. The and one and only. So lovely. How lovely was Christopher Biggins? He chatted to us like we'd known him for years. We just started chatting to him and he just, you know, was instantly just wonderful and friendly and everything that you wanted him to be. We were talking about Panto because obviously we're about mm-hmm. to go into Panto season. Mm-hmm. Who better to talk about Panto with than probably? He must be. Do you reckon he's up there in terms of the most Panto's ever done? Oh, without a doubt. He we was. mentioned, didn't we, Dan Leno to him and his eye kind of twitched because you were like, <laughs> like <laughs> that was his biggest rival. And we were a little bit cheeky and we did ask Biggins if he would mind getting a selfie with us. And that is going to be over on our Instagram. So check out our Instagram and like our photo of us with Biggins. What more could you want from a photo? What more could you want from Instagram in general? <laughs> I think that's the reason it was made. So every week, what we'd like to do is talk about our favourite facts that we have discovered. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I've just seen a really funny picture of Michael Parkinson on Facebook. And it's, it's really I'm sorry, carry on. Carry on, you were doing really well. So we've spoke at length about the Royal Variety Charity and the work that it does. And we had honour to speak to somebody that directly benefits from your donations. Jean Dudley Hardy, who was a Tiller girl during the 1950s, regarded by many as the heyday of the Tiller girls. I wanted to ask you actually about what are some of your favourite costumes that you wore? I pinched most of them. (laughs) (laughs) We used to have the short skirts. Everything was satin, little tops, lovely clothes. And what about your favourite theatres? Where were your favourite places to perform? I liked Chiswick Empire, Hackney Empire, Finsbury Park Empire. Mm-hmm. But all the pubs were dropping, you see. And did people still come to watch the shows? They certainly did, because they felt that they were safe in mm. the theatre. And although that we could hear the bombs falling, the theatre would shake. We still went on and did our number and uh, everybody was happy. Talent aside, so God given any other talent, what style of variety performer would you be? You know what? I would have liked to have been Mary Lloyd. I'd like to have been a sort of... <laughs> Just I, actually her. I used to have a... Yeah, well, someone like... Yeah, I want to be a woman that, <laughs> that ballsy and that... Amazing that she could hold a thousand people kind of wrapped just by singing some songs and telling some jokes. That kind of performer. Mm. Obviously, I can't be Mary Lloyd, but you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I'd love to have tried that. I never ever wanted to do stand up, it scared the shit out of me. I don't mm. think I'd be very good at it at all. Uh, and it's not my style of comedy, really. You know, I like Laurel and Hardy, I like Buster Keaton. But there's something so attractive about putting on a big costume and going out and belting a song out. Definitely. You know? Who do you think is a modern day Mary Lloyd? Do we have anyone like that now? Oh, yeah, definitely. They're out there. I'm trying to think who it would be. I mean, there's so many strong performers out at the minute. I, I don't want to say that. I don't mm-hmm. really know. I think she was kind of a one-off. She was, yeah. It's like a, di- a different a different type of art form, it's isn't it? It's a different type of art form. Now. You wouldn't do it like that now. You'd have to, as well as being like Mary Lloyd, I'd have to go back in time to be working in, you know, 1902. If only we could. If only we could. <laughs> Just to see what it was like would be enough. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That I think if I could have a time machine and had one day, that's where I'd go. Really? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Definitely. It's that other dinosaurs. 
Well, yeah, but I've seen Jurassic Park one too many times to right. take my chances there, I think. But what if they got it wrong, Marie? What if they're not like that? What, what if they're like little puppies and actually you could just stroke them? Well, they may well have had feathers. That's true. But that doesn't mean they wouldn't have eaten me. Oh, no, they would have eaten you, yeah. Yeah, it just means I could have had a nice feather boa after it. <laughs> right, <okay. laughs> So let's talk now a little bit about variety. Who were your favourite variety performers? Obviously, as you probably know, I'm a big fan of Tommy Cooper's. Yeah. Mm. I don't know whether you know about Tommy's Fez. Yeah. He was in Egypt with his wife, and he saw a fella selling fezzes on a market, and he went up to him and he went... Just like that. <laughs> <laughs> and this was the fella. And the fella, and Tommy Hugh went, how do you know that? I said, that that's my catchphrase. And the fella went, I don't know anything about a catchphrase. All as I know is that when a, you know, an English British person comes up here and tries on one of these fezzes, he turns around to his friends and he says, just like that. Wow. And he says, just like that. And then he went, Amazing. you're the first one not to say it. And he went, it's true stories. What is usually, do you find, is the more adaptable thing? The shows that come in or the space? It has to be the combination of both. Mm. You, you have to be able to... Um, I mean, this Sunday, I should have mentioned it, we had a... I don't know if you guys follow eSports. Do you follow eSports? No. Do you know what eSports are? I don't. I wish I could say I did, but I don't. <laughs> have you heard of Fortnite? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, League, yeah, yeah, League yeah. Of Legends. So, basically, online gaming. Right. So, online gaming is now so popular that when there is the final of a competition where people are playing teams, people are now wanting to watch that final yeah. in a live space. Right. So like you'd all come and watch England playing the football here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had, it was the final of League of Legends and one of the teams in it are run by a company called Fnatic and they, alongside us, came up with the concept of putting on a live esports event as a viewing party mm-hmm. for people to come and watch. And we did it on Sunday. It was eight hours long. The room's just full of people that love playing computer games, but they're watching a computer game that's being played by someone in a room somewhere on the other side of the world, yeah. playing someone else who's in a different country, and they're watching a computer game on a screen and cheering for it as if they were watching a football team yeah. or a boxing match. And they, for me, that that's one of the best things about the job, because who would have thought that that was a thing? Yeah. <laughs> two years ago, yep. let alone a thing that would find its natural home in a grade two listed Victorian theatre. Mm. But what's weird about it is it's the absolutely the perfect place for it because it's an auditorium that's built for people to watch something that's happening on the stage. Let's talk about the time that you spent at London City Ballet. We did think of calling it Variety Ballet Theatre. Yeah, we did. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. But then we thought, no, 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 no. Harold said, London City Ballet. I said, is that maybe, is that not a little bit pretentious because of New York City Ballet, you know? <laughs> and in the end, we all agreed, no, London City Ballet. If we were going to sort of push on, mm. the first full length we did was Swan Lake. Later on, they wanted another full length, and we did Carmen. By then, Harold had managed to get Princess Diana as our patron. patron. So, how did that happen? How did he manage to get? He such filmed an Buckingham Palace. <laughs> yeah, he, he got the yellow pages. You know, he used, uh, I'm, I'm going to film Buckingham Palace. Palace I said, well, I went, oh, fine, you won't you have get the number. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah it will yeah, be in the yeah, yellow yeah, page. Yeah. He looked under Buckingham Palace. There's the number. Mm-hmm. So he, 
He phoned and he said, Asked "Is it speak possible to speak to the secretary? secretary?" Did Harold? Did Harold know prior that she was a big ballet fan? Oh yes, oh, yes, yes, we knew. Yes. We yeah. all knew yeah, that she liked knew. ballet because she was in the news. Then she made an arrangement to come in and see us, see the she, company. Yes, and we were performing at the Erdang Academy when it was still in Covent Garden at that yeah. time. We were in the top studio. studio. She came up, and we all knew she was coming, coming. and everything. So the dancers were all, you know, like this. I mean, she came through the door and fell over the step. <laughs> Burst out laughing. And so that was lovely, you know. Broke and the ice. She, yeah, she, she was just lovely. She went round and she spoke to the dancers. She yeah, had a cup of coffee me. from a plastic cup. And, mm. or, and Harold, oh, he was so proud, you know. He was really proud. They got on so well, Harold and Diana. One of the other things to mention is that over the years, the Royal variety show has uh, been staged throughout the country um, so we've been in Cardiff, uh, Liverpool, Blackpool, twice, Manchester, Edinburgh and the reason for that is to try and well certainly to, for places like Blackpool to give a nod to them being the home of variety mm. but also the Queen particularly was very keen on visiting the regions and so we, we had a period in our history where the Queen would attend one year and the Prince of Wales the other years, they'd alternate. The Queen always requested to go to the regions. She felt very much it was kind of, perhaps saying it's a duty, it's a bit too strong, but actually enjoyed going to places outside London. Yeah. I think also too there is, thanks Giles, about the mention about the regions is uh, the regional theatre is so important, just like regional media is. So to go to, to Blackpool again for the third time and for the Queen to be entertained by Lady Gaga. So Lady Gaga was in Blackpool, which I still love to say you know because you know who would have thought that this incredible star would be in Blackpool performing for the Queen and the audience I think that's a, a real key moment in the history of the show and Bette Midler was also in Blackpool on the same bill on the same yeah, bill so it's fabulous that Blackpool which had a great history of, of entertainment and variety in particular you know was recognized in that way by by the performers but also by by our patron the Queen but I think when you think about Lady Gaga and Bette Midler, there's nowhere better for them than Blackpool. It is, they are Blackpool. It makes so much sense. <laughs> so it's fabulous that you got them there because maybe they, as Americans, don't understand the cultural significance of that. But for us as Brits, we completely know that they will be the, the songs being played in all of the Blackpool clubs. And the, the buzz that it would give those regional theatres and the people from those places is priceless, isn't it? You know, the fact that, you know, the people of Blackpool, the people of Liverpool, the people of Cardiff are having that involvement from the Royal Variety. I mean, it's, it's magical, isn't it? It really is. And we were up in Blackpool last year, actually. Partly a, a little bit of a shame that we weren't able to have a, a full theatrical audience because of COVID mm. and so on. But it is amazing what an effect it has on the local towns. I mean, they put the illuminations on for us, the head of the council, the, all, all the people involved in, in a town like that all come out to offer you any help they possibly can because, it, like you just said, it, it means so much mm. to regional towns, particularly after, you know, the years recently that we've had and the regional towns have really felt it, you know. Uh, Blackpool as, as badly as, as anyone, I think. But thank goodness things are improving now. Now, just before we move on to our next question, Brad, we've got yeah. to ask you about working with the legendary Groucho Marx. I mean, that's that's next level in terms of, 
you know working with that must have been so intimidating how how was it to write for or to work alongside somebody like Groucho well interesting what people didn't realize is that Groucho though he's supposedly a great ad-libber and he Mm -hmm. probably was but he always had three writers and in the contract as was in mine you were not allowed to tell anybody that you were writing for him he was then 74 years old right and his eyes were going Mm -hmm. and he couldn't remember scripts so what he had was Two contestants sitting on high chairs on high stools, and Groucho would be to their left, and they were facing the audience. And Groucho, while looking at them, was actually looking over their shoulder at the script, which is being rolled off on the wall behind them. Um, but you know that, that that was fine. But where lots about six shows uh, came trouble for me, and one of the contestants I found was a guy who had been uh, a an insurance man in show business. He insured Semprini's fingers, he insured John Hansen's voice, he insured Lionel Blair's legs, and he also insured Sabrina. Now, I don't know whether you remember, Sabrina was a big busted lady of the day, the, the Dolly Parton of the day. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Famous for that, she did all the Arthur Askey shows and all that, <laughs> all the jokes about her, her bust. And I stayed up all that night, I wrote a routine about that. And we were supposed to show, do the show two days later, and it wasn't in the script. So I said to the producer, what happened? He said, well, Groucho refused to do it. I said, why? He said, well, go ask him. I said, well, what happened, Groucho? He said, well, he said, it's all about tits. He said, I said, no, no, it's not. It, 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 the humor of it is that we, the audience, know something that you don't know. He said, well, I know now. I said, yeah, it's fine. But if it's legitimate, you didn't know. And I've written it along those lines. And uh, I said, and I stayed up all night doing it. I said, they told me you were going to be a pain in the neck, but you're now hurting all the way down. I said, I've had enough. <laughs> said, I've had enough. I said, unless you do the routine, I'm not, I'm not going to do the show anymore. He said, you mean you're quitting? I said, yeah. He said, but nobody quits, Groucho. He said, I fire people. I said, great, fire me. Then they've got to pay me for the rest of the series. And we're now shouting at each other. And there's a crowd of about 30 people there. He said, I'll tell you what, smart ass. He said, I'll do the whole routine, but if one gag and it doesn't get a laugh, you're fired. What do you say to that? I said, fine, as long as it all gets laughs, I will double my salary from now on. Which is like digging a knife in. So anyway, I must say he was a brilliant performer and he did it and got laughs all the way through. Everything in it got laughs. That's incredible. Not, I mean, not only working with Groucho, Brad, but also having a row with him. Oh, yeah. yeah, many yeah then many years that? later. <laughs> about five years later, I was actually in Hollywood, and I, um, you know, if you, if you go to Hollywood, you've got the, the maps of where all the film stars live. Yeah. So I went around to his house, and I knocked on the door, and he opened the door in his pajamas. He said, yeah? I said, me, Brad Ashton. He said, never heard of you. I slammed the door. Whether <laughs> 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 he was getting his own back or not, I don't know. <laughs> your favorite variety performer and why i was obsessed with bruce Forsyth. absolutely obsessed with him i used to go to quite a few filmings of the generation game and he had uh, a series called bruce's guest night and i was very lucky to meet tony bennett uh, Roy Castle and yeah, quite a few other people there. He he was he was about the only person that would do his, his own warm up because, as I say, he really liked connecting with, with, with the audience. So he would come out, chat with the audience, and then as soon as 
like on the generation game, when they stop the cameras to set up the next game, he would walk straight up into the audience and keep the audience going and talk to them. And I was there one night and a man put his hand up and said, Brucey, can I ask you a question? And he said, yes, of course you can. And he said, Brucey, be honest, is that a wig you're wearing? All the cameramen and all the stage hands put down absolutely everything and just turned around and looked <laughs> and thought, oh my God, how is he going to answer this? And Bruce was very honest and he said, no, it's not a wig. And everyone's like, are you sure? Are you sure? And he said, it's not a wig, it's a weave. And he said, basically, <laughs> I have my hair cut they weave this into my hair and then my hair grows naturally. And every five weeks I have it unwoven, my hair is trimmed and then I have it, you know, woven back into it. So yeah, but, and then he's like, okay, are you happy? And I went, yeah, I'm happy. Now we've got some quick fire questions that we're going to ask you. So we have got some this or that choices that we're going to give to you. And we just want an instinctive answer about which one you would choose. Do you think you're up for that? Let's go for it. Okay. Aladdin or Cinderella? Cinderella. Mickey or Eddie? Mickey! Charlie Chaplin or Buster Keaton? Buster Keaton. Abba or Queen? Ooh, Abba every time. Morecambe and Wise or the two Ronnies? Two Ronnies, definitely. Would you prefer to write for Kenneth Williams or Tommy Cooper? Tommy Cooper, don't you? Punch and Judy or Richard and Judy? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, potato, potato is a bit of <laughs> Never seen in the same room, um, but uh, Richard and Judy, I'll go. Mean Girls or the Rocky Horror Show? Rocky Horror Picture Show. Every time, it's so bizarre, it's brilliant. It's my favourite. Yeah, no, it, it's, it, it's, it's It's the incredible. film version of The Clap on Grand as a film. It's yeah. it's the Robin yeah, yeah, yeah. show, without a shadow of a doubt. Press night party or stage door sneak out? Press night party. Fishbowl or a bottle of wine with a straw in it? I mean, I'm going to go with a bottle of wine and a straw because I just think it's funnier. <laughs> Why mess around with having four glasses? Just have the bottle. You're going to drink it all anyway. Pims on the lawn or mulled wine by the fire? Pimps up the law, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tom or Jerry? Jerry. I like that that's the one that it took you the longest to think about. That's the most important question. I think so. I mean, observational comedy versus slapstick is kind of not fair. It's like, so you want cricket or rugby, they're both games. And, you, you know, I mean, you, yeah, fair enough. You prefer one or the other, but it doesn't mean one's bad and one's good. Well, it doesn't mean that Tom's any worse than Jerry. Yeah. It's just who you prefer. No, no, Jerry is much better than Tom. Why? Because Tom's a cat. Cats are evil. Would you rather be sat in the audience or waiting in the wings? Sat waiting in the wings. Oh! <laughs> well, that's actually My perfect, isn't life. it? Because you can be waiting in the wings, Mrs. B, and Mr. B, you can be sat in the audience waiting to watch her. That, that's yeah. a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> confetti or glitter? Confetti. The perfectly timed confetti drop is a thing of is magic. A, is a magical moment mm. that. No one else can do in the room, whereas everyone can throw glitter at themselves. But firing that <laughs> confetti drop, like watching it go, when you haven't told the, the performer that they're going to get a confetti drop and the audience don't know it's going to happen and you time it to perfection is brilliant. There's a, there's a comedic red button that you press to fire the confetti and we sometimes include... Like the president's in the White House. Exactly. And we, we sometimes... It's like, it's like the... Uh, it's like that with confetti. And we sometimes give it away as a prize. 
the, to fire the confetti. Oh, that, that, that is a, good a bingo prize. That's a prize. Bingo so we had we gave away a box to the Masioki event last week, last month where they did it was Masioki sing, and this girl who won it, she was so nervous. Because she, she liked this red button. She was so nervous when she did it. But then when she fired it, just her face, just ecstatic. The Greatest power. moment of her life. Moments creating that magic, guys. To fire Amazing. the confetti at the Clapham Grand. Oh, I should have got, re- should have got her a t-shirt. I fired the confetti at the Clapham Grand. What a t-shirt that would be. I feel like they're the only t-shirts that aren't in the building, to be honest. They, they We've seen should, so much. See you next week. Yes, you look like Michael Parkinson. Don't mention Michael Parkinson. Don't mention Polly.